0: Hey everybody, welcome back into the Corked Up Podcast, episode number nine already. My goodness, over two months of quality entertainment for you. Uh, this is Jack Savio speaking to you right now, uh, joined as always by my co-host Frank Nairs. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Jack underscore Savio5, at Frankie G Lyrical, at Two Cents Pods on Twitter. Two Cents Pods is our host of the, the Corked Up Podcast, and then... Um, at corked up on, at corked up podcast on Twitter, right? Is that right, yep. Frank? Yep. Okay, cool. All right. Well, uh, we're back again. Um, the finals, the NBA finals are finally over. Surprisingly. Well, I, thought,
1: I thought game eight was Sunday
0: game. No, no, Frank, it only took six games, man. They, oh, they shit. It. it only took them two months to finish the NBA finals. <laughs> so, um, that's good. And then, uh, we had some big NBA trades that we want to get into. The draft is actually cr- currently happening. Um, you know, I don't really like to go behind the curtain too much on podcasts, but it's too important. So, yeah. um, we want to give our thoughts on the bulls ta- on the bulls pick. Um, I won't spoil it yet for those who haven't heard by now, it's probably like two days later, but whatever. Um, and then there's some big baseball news, uh, Cubs socks happened over the weekend, uh, or excuse me, during the week, I should say it wasn't even the weekend. Um, and then me and Frank are starting uh, a new, su- a new segment. I'm uh, fucking call, excited for. We didn't come up with a name, Frank.
1: We didn't come up with a name. Uh maybe they're just we'll, we'll have to come up as we'll have to think of it as we go.
0: Jack, Jackie Probably. Moon's top 5.
1: Yeah, or uh, the the, 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 Jackie the top Moon 5 countdown. Five. Yeah. The Jackie Moon, the Jackie Moon 5 countdown. Something like that. We'll we'll iron it out. I don't know why basically
0: what do. it is is Frank and I have gone through <laughs> all 32 teams and have ranked our top five players from each team, our favorites. So it's not best. You don't have to come at us on that's, Twitter and say, you guys are fucking favorite. idiots. I mean, you yeah. can feel more than welcome to come at us on Twitter about that stuff. Right. But uh, we're going to do it division. We're going to do it kind of kind of a slow pace, and we're going to do it. Frank has laid out a wonderful, wonderful schedule um, that will lead it right up to kickoff of the NFL season. Uh, so this today's show, we're going to be doing the Steelers and the Browns. So we're gonna do the AFC North. So next week, as I'm sure you guys could probably guess, will be the Ravens and the Bengals. So we'll kind of get there. Frank, I'm nervous about that Bengals one. The um, Bengals. But before we get ahead of ourselves, Frankie, uh, we have some new. We have a new NBA champion team. Yeah. The Toronto Raptors were able to take advantage of a beaten down Warriors team. Um. You know what? What are your thoughts on the on the new NBA t- champions? first time NBA champions. Yeah. And, and what'd you think of just Kawhi Leonard overall winning uh, NBA finals MVP?
1: Um, you know, I, I really wasn't shocked. I, a fully healthy warriors team probably takes out Toronto in six. I only said that to say, I'm really getting sick of the, the quote unquote asterisk, um, you know, fan base that seems to be coming out because, if you wanted to, in, in any whether it's a boxing match, whether it's uh, the NBA playoffs, I'm sure even in the NHL playoffs, which I, I don't watch like any NHL, but you can make an excuse for every single win ever. It, it, like I, I always use boxing as my is the best example because that's where I'm most well versed in. But you can always say, oh well, he didn't have the best camp, you know, or, or he overworked himself, and can't, like you, there's always that one little caveat. The Toronto Raptors could not control who got hurt and who did not get hurt. Right. The problem is in the 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 super team-led NBA, which, granted, the Warriors are a super team, but they built mainly through the draft. But that being said, their players are so good that they've had to sign them, which prevented them from having the best depth on the bench. But realistically, that's what happens when you are top heavy. If one or two of your players go down, their backups are not going to be nearly as good unless you're going to have a bunch of people take pay cuts. Like, it's just, it it just is what it is at that point. So like, that's the risk that you're running throughout an NBA season. That's super grueling an NBA finals that takes two months and, you know, and everything else that comes with being a professional NBA, NBA team. Um, so with all that said, I give the Raptors full credit. They, they took out very good teams in the East and even with uh, you know, without KD, but when Clay was in there, healthy, I, it di- it didn't seem like anyone was head and shoulders above each other. It still felt like very even games. Basketball is a game, and, and, and I'll let you go after this. Oh, basketball no. yeah, is a, basketball is a game of runs. And the one thing that I said was, without KD, I picked Toronto. What it comes down to me is, who is the best player come playoff time or NBA Finals time with four minutes or less? in every game. If KD's not on that court, it's head and shoulders, Kawhi Leonard. And that to me was an easy pick. And and without KD, I thought, you know, I, I I thought Toronto did what they had to do. You had guys step up, Siakam had a few good games, Fred Van Fleet had a few good games, Kyle Lowry hit a few big shots. I mean they they played their role, but when it came down to it, Kawhi Leonard is the best player on the planet right now in this given moment. And he and he did what he had to do. I give them full credit for it.
0: Yeah. And I think you absolutely should. And and it's kind of funny because when you're talking about giving out credit and I think the war, the Raptors should get all of the credit in the world. You beat you play who you play. They can't. Yep, just What are they just going to sit there and be like, oh, no, we don't want to win game six because KD isn't there. So what, what's the point of even playing the game? No, <laughs> you play who you play. That's what team championship teams are supposed to do. They're supposed to build up depth. And, you know, if the Warriors were some great team, then they should have had better depth, right? But when you're talking about credit, I think what's interesting is that, you know, before this playoffs, you're hearing people talk about Steph Curry as one of the greatest, not just today's game, but one of the greatest of all time, if not arguably the greatest of all time. But I think that argument's kind of out the window now. Um, you know, as soon as Clay goes down it, with, the, with the ACL injury, which in my opinion, was the end of the series. I mean, that, that pretty much marked the end of the series. Even if the Warriors did kind of escape at home, uh, in game six, there's no way they go to Toronto without Clay Thompson, without KD and and win game seven. There's, it's just not going to happen. Um, but I mean, Clay or Steph just kind of disappeared. Uh, zero finals MVPs. I think he's like Oh for seven, um, with shots under 20 seconds. Um, so it's just it's just interesting, and and Clay Thompson I felt was a more impact player. Um, the Warriors felt missing him more than anything I feel like, um, and I feel like Steph just I don't know. In your opinion, is he's is he still one of the greatest of all times? I think he's one of the be- the greatest shooters of all time. A uh, no argument about that. Probably the best we'll ever see.
1: Yeah, but and as think- an overall player, I just I don't know, man. I, I think he is the greatest shooter of all time. And at this point, it's not relatively close. Just because of the, the era that he's in, it allows him not only to, to have the volume of, of shooting, but even like different distances. You're talking about guys in the 80s and 90s would have probably loved to pull up from 38 feet. <laughs> but with they'd 19 get benched. The but they would get yeah. benched. So I'm not here to say, oh, you know, this era. That, 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 I'm just... Saying for what it is, the the shots that he's able to pull off and ultimately make, um, you know he's shown that he he can shoot the rock from anywhere. Um, that being said, if we're talking about some of the all-time greats, the one thing that I've always told people was to kind of hold your horses. Let's just narrow it down to just the point guards of all time, because when it comes down to is one, he's a very fun player and he is a great player. Great should be associated with Steph Curry's name, right. But I I don't I don't know if he can be the the number one option on a championship winning team year in and year out I I think if there's going to be an injury he has the ability to step up to win you a series or two but if you're talking about just building around him I mean putting like if him and Kawhi were to swap teams I don't think Toronto is in the finals in the east and that's no knock to him I just think it's his style of play I don't think that style of play is sustainable to be the best or not the best because I I, in some ways I do think he is the best player on Golden State but he's not the number one option it goes back to what I say when we're talking about who has the ball in their hand when it's time to get an absolute bucket to win a game and years past it's been Klay Thompson it's been Andre Iguodala and it's been Kevin Durant and like I said that's still no knock to Steph Curry. He still plays his game and he gets his numbers and he puts his team in positions to win. But I, I think when we're talking about best players of all time, clearly we're not putting him above Magic. I'm not putting him above bad boy Pistons, Isaiah Thomas. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not putting him above, I don't know if I'm putting him above, if we're ranking point guards above guys like Gary Payton or John Stockton, definitely not John Stockton. Like we're we're I talking think- about guys who, who were were legitimate number one, and they were just more point guards in general. Though he's right. he's much more of a combo. He he's a combo guard that leans shooting guard.
0: Yeah, I I think I would take him over Isaiah Thomas, and that's just due to my hatred of Isaiah Thomas. I would never want that prick on my team, Ooh. um, at all. Um, but I think it just speaks to more Steph's just inability to. You're right. I, I once. I mean, like I said, once Clay goes down, I mean, who else is there to shoot? Of course, the Raptors are going to key in on Steph. I mean, you see Kawhi Leonard just taking over and guarding Steph anywhere he went because, I mean, what else are they going to do? They're not going to have Draymond, you know, shooting threes. And but, but we'll find out, you know, if Steph can be a number one option, you know, obviously next year because they have nobody left on their team because uh, yeah. Clay went out. I mean, you know, as soon as clay went down on that knee, you see him land like that. You knew he was out for the game. Like, yeah, it's great that he came back and knocked down the two free throws. But as soon as he goes back into the locker room, you know, he's not coming out. There's yeah. just no way the way he landed. And and if there was going to be a game seven, I don't think they would have, I, I just don't think that they would have put uh, that much risk into it, you know? So, um, okay. But anyways, you know, back to the Raptors, like I guess I didn't really talk about them too much. I mean, Kawhi wasn't even the story of game seven. I mean, he made some nice plays, but dude, Kyle Lowry, I mean, coming out, just proving, I mean, he had a great first half, kind of disappeared a little bit in the second. Um, But I think it was more just kind of showing that they're a true NBA champion because he was able to, you know, Fred Van Fleet's hitting shots. You had Siakam doing his thing. You had Marc Gasol actually making, you know, deciding to shoot the basketball uh, Mm -hmm. in game six as opposed to game five. Um, it was just such a team win that it, it just felt it felt right. And, you know, kudos to them. I feel like the Raptors were kind of looked down upon the entire playoff series. I mean, obviously, we expected them to win in the first round against your Orlando Magic. Um, but, you know, then they come up and everyone's like, oh, the Sixers are going to take them. No problem. Oh, the Bucks are going to take them. Oh, the Warriors will handle them. No problem. Dude, this team was just too good. And Kawhi was just. I mean, that, that's going to go down as one of the best preseason trades of all time is getting Kawhi Leonard for a year and winning I agree. that championship.
1: I agree. You know, there's something that we can get into, and I don't want to get into it now because it would definitely dominate the full episode, but we can dedicate this because we're, we are getting to a much slower period just, you know, generally in sports. Right. I want to talk about um, how people are, are willing to give credit to, to past coaches and past oh, players yes. for a current year that be, because <laughs> I'm very passionate about this subject. Right. Um, we, we won't talk about it today, but what you said reminded me of that. But that being said,
0: you're talking to Marta Rosen, right?
1: I'm talking to Marta Rosen. We'll, I'm talking we'll to Mark we'll, Jackson. We'll, we'll I'm talking we'll, Nick nurse and, um,
0: we'll talk about it for yeah, sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You, you know, and, um, we'll, 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 we'll get into that, but, But, yeah, I mean, it it, it was a complete team win. I think they showed through and through that they were the deeper team, and we knew that going in, but just like me and you said, man, they were one injury away from being completely done, the the Golden State Warriors, that is. You know, whereas the only injury that would have really hindered Toronto – would have it's been a quiet injury. Like, he, 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 you know, he gets people in position. I don't want to say just him, but him and Nick Nurse. And just that whole culture, they get people in position to succeed. And you saw that with Fred Van Fleet. You saw that with Siakam balling out for games at a time in the playoffs. Like, shout, they, shout out
0: to shout out to Rockford, Illinois. But um, exactly. speaking, speaking of Rockford, Illinois, Frank, this is kind of a weird segue. Um, but there's uh, the NBA draft is going on right now. And I'm sure people have passed through uh rockford at some point heading to one town or another
1: 100 percent.
0: it's a horrible transition but um you get where i'm going but um before yeah, yeah. we get into some of the picks that happened and, and you know i definitely want to talk about the bulls pick um of of their selection at seven uh spoilers they did draft at seven um <laughs> i want to talk about the biggest trade in the nba leading up to the draft fucking uh, tony which, snow to the yeah, Pistons. Tony Snell to the Pistons. Uh, it's a real game changer in the <laughs> East. Uh, <laughs> but no, no. Um, seriously though, in all seriousness, um, Mike Conley heading to the Utah Jazz. I mean, this is a real you know game breaker right now. I mean, the Jazz have an old point guard, and the Memphis Grizzlies have a new point guard. But no, uh, Frank, I'm here to talk about the brow heading to Hollywood. Yeah, uh, Anthony Davis traded to the to the Lakers. Uh, for Lonzo Ball, right, yeah. yep. and uh, Brandon Ingram, and Josh Hart, pick, and Josh Hart, all for the fourth pick uh, in this year's NBA draft. So, um, what were your thoughts when when that when that kind of came down? Um, Anthony Davis with Bron Bron.
1: I certainly wasn't surprised. That being said, it, if the rumors were true about what happened or, or what what the trade was at the deadline this past year. What the fuck happened? Because they got outside of all the draft picks that they can continue to stock up. That was great for the Pelicans, but the players themselves. I mean, Zoe – I I think Zo is in a good situation for positionless basketball. There. I think. I think. Granted, he he is more of a point guard, but you know. Just being able to run the floor a lot more. LeBron has always been in that, that middle pace where he's gonna run a little bit, but he's also gonna play half court ball. I don't think he was ever a great fit there. He's a so point think,
0: forward. Yeah.
1: Right. And I think I think and well, LeBron dominates the ball. And I think Exactly we, if you put the ball in you know, Lonzo Ball's hand, say what you will about his shooting, but he's a playmaker. He knows how to find the open guy. And I think him and Zion are a very good pairing. I do like that pairing a ton. You know um, what this oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh no! what I was gonna say was I think the book. Uh, granted, you could say the book is still out on a uh, on Lonzo Ball, but I think the book is still out on Brandon Ingram, um, just because I think it's a very easy transition for Zoe to get in here and succeed. I don't know if that's gonna be the case with Brandon Ingram because we can see he can ball. He certainly isn't a scrub and he can play, but it's like, what what kind of role can you can you um, you know? do with a winning team he, you, you never won in LA and, and when it was time for you to score sure you can get buckets but like outside of that what else can you do right um, I, I'm curious to see uh, you know what what that is and then Josh Hart you know he he can wind up actually being the best player they get back from this he, he's a really good ball player Um, but uh, you know and, and I'll toss it to you but it seems like Everyone is taking – well, I think just today's NBA philosophy in general right now is to stack as many young pieces as you can and throw them at a team that has an, a superstar that doesn't want to re-sign there. Um, we we kind of saw that with Boston. Granted, they never really pulled the trade on anything. I think they valued their assets a little too much at times. Um, we're, we saw that with, with the Lakers. Um, and I think we're going to see that with the Pelicans, with all those picks that they have. I think they're going to see, you know, kind of who's developing and who they feel like they can build around. Obviously, Zion's going to be their guy. Um, but then they're going to, I think, three or four, maybe even five years from now, we're going to see that happen. They're going to throw the, this package of future picks as well as, you know, young players to, to get well a, a rising superstar, someone like an AD or just whoever's in that situation at the time
0: yeah and you know i think to answer your earlier question about what happened to the trade mid season um i think a lot of it had to do with just the unknown of of knowing where that pick would be and i think once Mm, the the pelicans knew that the the it was pick four they're probably like all right this is good value um plus the players that we're getting back um and we know we're losing anthony davis if we're going to get anything this is probably the best that they could get for him right um which I I like the trade, um and to to Frank we talk about a bunch of other sports on the Cork up podcast here and to bring another sport into this, um what this trade does for the Pelicans, in for guys like Brandon Ingram and for Alonzo Ball and for Josh Hart it's almost like bringing in a closer where it's. Now you have Zion Williamson and it kind of knocks each guy down a peg. So let's say they're relief pitchers. Now you have Pedro Strope who's closing. Let's say that's Brandon Ingram. Well, now he's more of a setup guy. Now right. he can just focus on scoring. He doesn't need to be the guy. And I think Zion Williamson is, is a, lot, he's a much different player than LeBron James. And I feel like it's a different game and, and he doesn't have the credibility that LeBron has where he can just say, no, this is my team. You know, we're going to do it this way. Um, he kind of just will let it'll it'll let allow those guys moving over from L.A. to the Pelicans to kind of play their game and kind of develop that way. So I think it can only help those types of players. Plus, you have Lonzo and Brandon Ingram out of the spotlight of the Lakers. Some guys right. just can't handle it, man. And and playing in New Orleans, it's going to be much different, um, much lower spotlight until you have the Pelicans and Lakers play. And I'm sure that'll be a nationally televised game. <laughs>
1: I agree. I think, you you know, the thing when you're talking about specifically that I don't even know if they weren't ready for the spotlight, but basketball in particular, for whatever reason, even though we understand that there's nothing in place right now to really develop these guys once they get to the NBA, they just go from being 17 year olds to (laughs) supposed to be NBA superstars. When you look at guys like Michael Jordan, who couldn't get out of the first round and, you know, for, for seven years, guys like LeBron, who couldn't win a title for seven, eight years, like it takes time for these guys to learn how to play the game of basketball. They've, they've been getting away with just their physical abilities for so long, but right. they haven't really developed too many basketball skills. So when when I look at guys like Zoe and like Brandon Ingram and like Josh Hart, granted, Brandon Ingram has been in the league for a few years now, but... That was the one thing that I was intrigued when LeBron first went to the Lakers. Because I was like, oh, is he really going to help these guys develop and kind of play the long game here? Maybe not compete year one or two too much. I, I did think that he they'd get like the eight, seven, six seed. But moving forward, if you can really help develop these guys and mold them to the player that you need them to be, you have a powerhouse those last couple of years of your contract because right. they all have potential. But he's just he's he t- talked about it his first year about. I mean, it was like the first few weeks. He's like, yeah, I'm already starting to get impatient. <laughs> and it's like, dude, what, what team did you think you signed to? But right. you know, I, I I digress. I do think that's it's going to help them being in a different market. I will say this to to kind of further your point. That puts a ton of pressure on Zion Williamson, and yes. granted, he has he has the, um, I think he has the mental capacity for it. He seems like he has the, uh, you know, the the skills and the work the work ethic for it. But it's never a sure thing that you're going to be a superstar. Um, it, it's to the point where like. You know the 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 sports talk radio and people on ESPN are are, are asking like, oh, if he averages twenty three points a game, is that a success? And it's like, yes, it's a fucking success. <laughs> like what what like in what world is twenty three points a game not a success for a career? Right. Out of someone it, who's six seven two eighty who can do much more than score.
0: Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, and and that's the thing too is it's it's become such an era of of numbers and stats, and it's just like. Defensively, yeah, there's defensive rating and stuff like that, but that just doesn't tell the, the whole story. You you have to actually watch these players, and I feel like yeah, when you look at this box score and you say it's 23 points a game, you know, uh, uh, considered it a success. Well, it depends on on the prism that you're looking through it. Is it is it Kevin Love on the Timberwolves where he's they they win maybe 30 games? Right. You could argue that maybe that's not a success. Does that make him a bad player? No, it just might mean that he's not a transcendent player that can elevate the team with those statistics. It's just, you you have to be able to watch the game. And I feel like, I I feel like we're kind of losing that a lot with just the numbers itself. You know, the the eye test, I disagree that it's a bad thing. The eye test, it, it may not confirm every single statistic that's out there. But I think it does tell you a lot about knowing what a player is actually good at. I mean, we talk about it all the time. And the rumor now is that Jimmy Butler might be a candidate to go to the Lakers and join LeBron and AD. And, you know, Lakers fans are going nuts. They're like, oh, my God, you know, we're going to get Jimmy Butler. But here's the thing. Bulls fans, Timberwolves fans, and now 76ers fans, they know – yeah, Jimmy Butler averages 23 points a game, but we also know how he ends up at that 23 points a game, how he slows the game down, how he dominates the ball, how he takes shots. It's just, it's not the same way that Steph Curry averages 23 points a game, or or, excuse me, scores. I should say he doesn't average 23. He's much better than that. But you (laughs) know what I'm saying. It's just the way he scores changes the game. And I I don't think taking sideline jump shots It's changing the game you know what I mean
1: it's it's funny that you use him as an example because that was literally what I was going to say was bring up Jimmy that's why we do a show together Frank you're right you're right uh it's it's why we (laughs) dated for two years but it just didn't work out but um but no but in, in all seriousness what people conflate is that stats mean you can play basketball it means you're good at basketball it does not mean that you're a number one option on a team it does not mean just how you said like if if Zion Williamson, you know, goes on to average 23, 24 points a game and his teams year in and year out win 30 games, 40 games, they sneak into the playoffs every now and then. That doesn't mean he's bad at basketball. No one's saying that Jimmy Butler's bad at basketball, but I've always felt like there should be a healthy diet of some, you know, the Sabre metrics or, or, or the very, the stats that are supposed to be more telling and the eye test. Like right. that feeling that, you know, that that they kind of make fun of now, but like a scout will say, I just feel it in my gut. That still means something like we're, we're human beings that can see beyond things beyond what, what we can actually quantify at the moment. Like unless we get to the point where we can put like chips and, and fingers and arms and the way, you know what I mean? Where you can see like literal actual (laughs) movement. Like it's just, that's always going to be a thing. Like the eye test does matter. And Jimmy never really passed that. So, I mean, I think that's a brilliant point as well because I wasn't thinking e- even that far into that thought. But, yeah, I mean, Z- no one's ever going to say Zion is bad at basketball. He's certainly not going to be an Anthony Bennett. He's not going to be, you know, one of those guys. But if, if you know, he averages – or or let, let, let me ask it like this and then we, we can uh, kind of move on to some more draft stuff.
0: But That's what I was thinking too.
1: So if, if he averages 19 a game but he gets the Pelicans two, wing, two, uh, two rings over, let's say, 10 to 12 years while he's in his prime – I would say that's a success, but if you're just looking at the box scores, people might say he didn't live up to it just based on that, just well, just based on points per game, or what if they, it's one of those, like, let's just say, you know, worst case scenario, they're like the trailblazers, they, they get the 4-5 seed, they, they can never really get over that hump, but he's the Dame Lillard, he's putting together 28 a game, he's showing you that he's one of the best players in the league, but the team doesn't get over that hump, well, like, see, which which one do you, do you really favor, you know? It,
0: and, and I, I would say that I would say the latter for a lot of people, because we, we've talked about this on, on the Corkta podcast before. We've talked about how the NBA fan is is changing, where people care more about the players than they do about the team and the team's right. success. People. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's great when teams are, are in the championship. Um, but I mean, people cared more about what Kawhi is doing than they did about the Raptors. You know what I mean? Like it, right. it just the the team narrative is almost completely gone and i feel like just because of how how dominated the the league is by the players now i mean you know you're looking at jimmy butler scoring 23 points a game you're not looking at how the 76ers are still an incomplete team because they can't stay healthy and they can't keep guys on the floor once you get to the playoffs you're just assuming that these since these players are on this team they, they should be good but you still lose the team chemistry aspect and we saw we saw that in 2011 2000, uh, yeah 2010 2011 when the heat lost in the finals to to the mavericks the Mavericks had better team chemistry yeah. they had played together for a long time and the, and everyone agreed that once the heat kind of get them get their feet underneath them they'll win a championship and it, it, people just did not understand that in that first year they're like why are they not as good as we thought hmm. they would be because you can't just throw – you can't just – it's not NBA 2K. You can't just exactly. throw players together and be like, oh, here you go. Look at what's happening in Houston right now with all the reports of Chris Paul and James Harden's relationship just being completely destroyed. Um, yeah. I mean they refuted it, but it, I, I to your point, I would say – people would probably look at 19 points and 2 rings as probably a disappointment which is just Man, unbelievable to me
1: that's insane so like uh, imagine if he he's like 19 points 12 boards you know a block and a half and six assists that that would be an incredible career
0: exactly but it's because the points aren't Jesus. because it's not like twenty eight points a game. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. It, it, people will look at him more as a better overall player than just a superstar for some strange reason. You can't yeah. beat both. You just you, I I don't I don't know. And then,
1: but then but yeah. then you kind of get into this weird circular thing where it's like, but then you know you got probably the same demographic of people who will tell you that Draymond Green is better than Shaq. Like, but he <laughs> you know what, it's it's weird. It's such a weird logic, and I'm trying to to like finagle my way in to understand certain things, but I just won't, but I'm not a stats guy. Like you can point to stats all you want. That's fine and dandy. Carmelo Anthony got stats and he was fun to watch, but that didn't mean he was, you know, a number one on a championship winning team. He proved that to us. Exactly. Um, Exactly. But yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think overall, just like you said, great trade for both sides. Uh, It it filled the need for, for what both teams want to do. Obviously we are here uh, we were recording this on draft night, so some big stuff uh, you know, has gone down. Zion obviously went number one, John Morant number two. Um, the Hawks trade up to number three or I'm sorry, to number four. Were you shocked at all that the Knicks didn't do kind of Knicks things and, and take a chance on someone at number three instead of kind of the shoe in RJ Barrett at three?
0: I you know, I'm gonna be honest, I think I think the, the reason that they took R.J. Barrett and didn't, you know, Nick it up, if you will, is because he was the only, he said, I want to play for the Knicks. And then the Knicks are up their uh, their asses so much. They're like, oh my God, anybody who understands the legacy of the Knicks, just, you know, he has to be a Nick And right. R.J. Barrett was the top prospect last year. If you'll remember, our, you know, Zion was yeah. supposed to be the number two uh, pick in this upcoming draft, maybe even three. If you counted Cam Reddish, who fell all the way to ten, um, which was a little more surprising um, than I thought, because honestly, I thought that that would be the I don't w- I didn't want the Bulls to take him, but I felt that was probably going to happen. Just I did too. It's just you know, it's a Duke player. Uh, <laughs> they they love their Dukies. Um but it's just you know, I wasn't surprised that the the Hawks traded up. Um, and and DeAndre Hunter is a good player. I think he'll fit in nicely. I think you mentioned this as well over text he'll fit in nicely with Trey young kind of give them another option. So it's not just, you know, he, he might, he honestly, I, he probably won't be there. Clay Thompson. He's, he's, but honestly, he, he kind of might be, it might be like clay light, if you will. Yeah. Um, to, to Trey young's Steph Curry, if you will. Um. He's good. For, you know, he's, he's a, he's, a, he's a threat from three and he's a really good defender as well. Two yeah. things that clay has kind of perfected over the years. Um. You know, I, I should we just should we jump into the to the Bulls pick or?
1: Yeah, no, I say I say we go right. I say we go right to the Bulls pick. I,
0: well, I, we, real quick, real quick, before we do, I I want to touch on something just real small. Uh, the Timberwolves they traded up to six. Uh, the the Suns traded back. I I didn't really understand that because the Suns are not at the point where they can be trading back. Uh, they should be drafting the best player available, especially when you have Devin Booker, who's at some point probably going to leave their team. Uh, because he's yeah. be like, I just can't deal with this franchise anymore when you're hiring guys na- named Igor and all that good stuff. Um, well,
1: he might be one of those players that goes kind of back to that philosophy that I talked about where, you know, these stash a bunch of young players to right. trade. I mean, he, he's probably the next candidate up for that, honestly. Yeah, yeah,
0: probably. Um, anyways, the Timberwolves dra- had the Suns draft Jarrett Culver for them because no trade is official at this point. Uh, Jarrett Culver. A a, a guard that everybody kind of linked to the Bulls, and we're like, hey, you know, he could go to the Bulls. He'd be a good, pretty good fit. Jarrett Culver to me sounds like one of those generic players that you get in like the (laughs) auto draft, like in 2K. Once you get to like 2020, like 2030 or something like that, you're just like auto generating drafts. Jarrett Culver sounds like a made up name, therefore he will be a generic player. Uh, But Frank, listen, here's the thing about you and I. If anybody knows us. If anybody follows us on Twitter, they know how much we love Kevin White, and you made one of the greatest points uh, that I didn't even consider, and I, I would like you to share it with our with our listening audience right now.
1: So, as we all know, well, first of all, we should probably have a moment of silence after we lost Kevin White, but let's just power through it. Um, I'm going to try not to tear up, but...
0: I'm crying right now.
1: Yeah. Um, Kevin White, the best wide receiver in Chicago, but no... The best wide receiver in NFL history
0: gets drafted
1: by the Chicago Bears, number seven overall. And you know, something that me and Jack had struggled with since his departure was, you know, who who is the goat now? Because it, it was always goat white, goat. You know, goat and white just went hand in hand. Right. Um. And the parallels here are astonishing. You're talking about uh, a Chicago franchise picking number seven, last name <laughs> is White.
0: I, I mean, that's, yeah, that pretty that's much about where it, thing, that's about where it ends.
1: But those are <laughs> those are incredible parallels here.
0: Yeah, I no, I mean, uh, you know, we'll 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 kind of I, I want to get your thoughts and I'll give you my thoughts on the pick as well. And then we'll kind of take a break and we'll we'll hit some uh, baseball talk and some NFL stuff to wrap up the show. But um, real quick, I just want to give you my thoughts because I have a feeling you're probably going to want to go a little bit longer uh, than me. Um, so just real quick. Yeah, go go Kobe White. First of all, his name's Kobe. Always a good basketball. It's a strong basketball name. It is uh, strong he's basketball got an afro, which I mean, come on, like that's. I, is just, that an afro?
1: That thing, it's, that's.
0: It's beautiful. Is it, it's it glorious. Listen, I I wanted, as you know, you know, I texted you, and I, I wanted the Bulls to get Darius Garland just because he's you know he's got the uh, he he was compared to to Dame Lillard, and he's got the mm-hmm. three point shooting, but he did have the injury concerns. Thinking about it more now that the Bulls actually have Kobe White. I'm really kind of starting to fall in love with it a little bit more. Um, I mean, his uh, the speed that he has, mm-hmm. I, he's one of the fastest players in the league. And people are comparing him to De'Aaron Fox of the of the Kings. Mm-hmm. I've seen and I know yet. people probably haven't watched a ton of Kings basketball lately, but dude, that play dude play. is legit. And if he can be anything like speed kills. I mean, Steph is one of the fastest players in the league. John Wall at his height of power was one of the fastest. Derrick was Rose was incredibly fast. I, I, I re- One thing that concerns me is turnovers, and I'm sure we will see a ton of turnovers at the beginning of his career. Um, but he's such a different player from Chris Dunn that I feel like Kobe White might almost overtake Chris Dunn as the starting point guard by the time this season starts. Um I mean he's a he's a he's a great ball handler. Um he can shoot, he's a threat to score, he's a, he's a three-point shooter. I was actually looking up his stats uh right when they drafted him. Uh last year he shot uh from 3, he shot 30 uh 35% from three point. And that's that's pretty damn good. Um so I I'm excited about it. Um it, it's more of a traditional point guard, but I, I think the speed kind of plays into it and it kind of is starting to maybe go almost in the opposite philosophy of Jim Boylan, which is still so funny to me now that they, this is like Kobe white is the ideal Fred Hoiberg player.
1: Yeah, oh, I know <laughs> And now I know, that
0: I they know. don't have him, <laughs> they go with the exact opposite. It's just fantastic. I, I, I like to pick if I were to grade quote unquote, I'd probably give it an a,
1: yeah, I think. Um, I mean, I I agree with with, with you, know, you know everything that you said. Uh, at this point in the draft, he was he was the best player on the board, um, at least on paper right now. You give it a year or two or three, but you know as these guys develop, and then you'll really you know know who is who. Um, but I like the pick. I think uh, you know. Depending on what we do in free agency, I, the young, I like the young nucleus a lot. And that, that's never been my gripe with this front office. The gripe with the front office is that they just can't get the guy. Like they, they're good right. at getting the, the B's, the, the, the C plus hustle guys, like the Taj Gibson's the, I mean, we can go on and on. Um, so they've never had that issue. So it's like the young nucleus is here. You know, you have Kobe White, you have Zach Levine, you have Laurie Markinen, you have Otto Porter, um, and you have uh, Wendell Carter. Like, these guys can all play ball. And realistically, if we can just find our Matt Nagy, which we're never going to even look for, let alone find. But, like, a good <laughs> coach, a good young or not. Like, Doc Rivers gets this team to the playoffs, I think.
0: Yeah. I, because, I mean, like, the I,
1: talent is – granted, they have to stay healthy. But, like, individually, the talent is there. But if you don't have a system in place where these guys aren't just out there looking for their own stats, you're, you're never going to win anything.
0: You right. know? Right, and, and, and I feel like I feel like that's something that's just so lost on on the NBA's game, where it's there is just no development. There's no time to be developed. I mean, you 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 have to you have to be good immediately. Yeah, and I think teams are kind of in different situations where it's like the Bulls. Yeah, every Bulls player that gets drafted needs to be great because we've waited so damn long for this team to get back on track, and we just you just can't trust what the front office is doing. So. Uh, it's, it's, I like the pick. I, I actually I really like it a lot more than I thought I would. Um, I, I'm really excited to see what he can do. Um, I'm glad that you like it as well. Cause I, I think both of us kind of texted each other last night saying it doesn't matter what they do. We're both going to be just like, whatever they, they, they suck anyways. But I think this is a good pick. I don't know if it'll be transformative. I don't know if he'll be, you know, an all-star type, uh, type point guard, but I feel good in the type of player that he can be. Um, You know, we'll, we'll see. We'll I guess that's all you can really say, but uh, we're going to, we're going to take a break here on the Corked Up podcast. When we come back, we're going to do some uh, baseball talk. One of the, uh, there's, there's a team that wants to do something a little different. And uh, it's a team that might have multiple cities. I don't know. (laughs) We'll see what happens. Uh, But then we do want to get into some Sox Cubs um, thoughts just real quick. And then we'll end today's show with our new segment, Jackie Moon's top five favorite players of all time somehow some way but uh we'll be right back on the corked up podcast right here on two cents pots
1: all right guys we are back uh we're gonna get into some baseball talk we obviously have some for me maybe not for others but this is pretty groundbreaking stuff here um you know tampa bay rays uh, are are exploring the possibility. Well, they've been granted permission to, to have some games played in Montreal. Um, and it sounds like moving forward, they may want to actually play in both cities simultaneously. So it's going to be kind of the, uh, do, you, do you remember when the, when the new or- after hurricane Katrina, yeah. when the new Orleans Hornets were the Oklahoma city Hornets right. for a little bit, and then they were right. kind of bolt for a little bit and then they kind of got their own franchises. But I think we're in a situation there, Jackie. What were your thoughts when you? I mean, for me, it was very random. I don't remember hearing any sort of rumblings. I just got the notification, and then you texted me, and I was like, "What the fuck is going yeah, on right, right now?"
0: Like, what? What the? What the fuck actually does this even mean? Because yeah. I mean, you think about it this way: like, okay, so so they want to split the season, Tampa Bay. Because here's the thing: Tampa Bay just draw, draws absolutely fucking zero fans, it's, and I don't know if you've ever watched a Tampa Bay Rays game at home. Like not in person, obviously, I'm, 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 talking TV, but dude, that stadium is fucking brutal to look at. Yeah. I mean, you hear, you know, if you watch a Sox game and you listen to Jason Benetti talk about, he's been one of the more outspoken people against that stadium where it's just like, they make fun of it because you just get, people get vertigo when they're in that stadium because it's just a fucking dome and it's just concrete. It just, it looks like shit. It is yeah. shit. Nobody goes to the game, even though the team is good. And the team has been the team has been good. It's not like there's some bum ass team with Fred McGriff back in the day. You know what I'm saying? When they're the Tampa Bay Devil Rays.
1: Yeah, Uh, yeah. we're
0: talking about we're talking about a, a, a good era of Tampa Bay Rays baseball. And now they're talking, Okay, well, here's an idea. If we can't draw fans, let's just not go to the stadium. Let's go to a different stadium. Yeah. So they're gonna split the season between Tampa Bay and Montreal. Montreal's dying for baseball again, um, but they weren't. It's just it's one of those things where it's like you don't miss it till it's gone. And Montreal fans didn't go to Expos games at the end. That's why they moved to Washington and the Nationals were born. I think it's it's interesting, but it's like okay, so you split half and half. Think about how long those like think about the human element of it for a second the players on the Tampa Bay Rays or Montreal Rays or whatever the fuck they're going to call themselves at some point. <laughs> do they switch team names when they go to Montreal? Are they just a new team when they go to Montreal, but they're still kind of the Rays? Like how does that work? But in all honesty, it's like, dude, that's a lot of road time for those players. Right. I mean, they're going to be going. Yeah. Yeah, it is, you know, all the time. It's just, it, it, to me, it, it seems like a nightmare for the schedule makers. Um, but whatever, I, I just I, I don't know how likely it is that they're going to be able to pull something like this off. What were your initial thoughts? And then we'll kind of move on to some other stuff.
1: Well, the Montreal Rays of Tampa Bay, I think, is the leading. I like would be that. The, yeah, would be the leading vote getter or something, something of that nature. But my initial thought, like I said, I was really caught off guard because I didn't hear any sort of you. Usually when it's something this big, there's like some rumors. There's a few grumblings like this was just out of nowhere. Yeah, um, I mean, the,
0: the fact that, uh, j- the, real quick, the fact that it wasn't the the owner comes out and says, you know, we're going to look into this. It was MLB has granted permission. <laughs> so th- this is, you know, this is obviously has some legs to it.
1: Yeah, no, a- absolutely. And I'm actually surprised that it took this long specifically for them to do something like this. because Just like you said, especially for small market teams, if we're talking about, Successful small market teams since since I can remember, I mean they have to be number one or two behind the Marlins. Like the Marlins, for for say what you will about them in the rebuilding years, but for some fucking reason every six years they win a World Series. You know what I mean? Like they have a they have a they're like a triple A, a AAA team for six years at a time, and then all of a sudden it's like bam here they all go.
0: Yeah, here's um, Miguel Cabrera, one of the best of all time. Yeah,
1: here's right Miguel Cabrera, Derek Lee, and, and the whole pitching staff that just shut everybody down, beat beat the hell out of the Yankees. Don'tre
0: um, Willis just peeing on himself every now and then, no big yeah, deal. No Don big deal Trey, at all. Excuse me, not Don'tre. What the fuck? Who's Don'tre?
1: Ivan Rodriguez, Padre Rodriguez, juicing it up. But anyway, um, <laughs> no. But uh, all, all seriousness, I, there there are just certain um, markets where sports really don't mean all that much, and, and Florida just happens to be one. And it's probably because the weather's just too nice. Like if it's gonna be like you generally think of baseball, if it's nice outside, man, let's go, let's go watch a game, let's go to a game. But it's like if it's that nice, it's like, dude, let's go to the fucking beach. Like, why are we going to a baseball game right now?
0: A baseball game in a, in a concrete dome.
1: Exactly. You don't even get to feel the the, the elements of, of beautiful weather. Um, but and you know that being said, there the, even looking at the White Sox, you know a, a a more homegrown example. Like their attendance sucks year in and year out, and I'm a, I, I'm actually surprised there aren't rumors of them looking to move out because. Well, well,
0: there were, if you'll remember, they were looking to be one of those teams to move to uh, to Rosemont, but they have such a oh, good yeah. stadium deal where it just it doesn't with with the city where it just doesn't matter how many fans they draw. They're just like whatever, we'll just be right. on TV, I guess. But we'll get to the White Sox in a second because I do have some interesting, um, just kind of fun things about about them in terms of their broadcast. But uh, continue with uh, with your yeah. point.
1: I mean, just, just just to that point, um, you know, there are teams that, that bring – I mean, you look at the Rays. They bring a good team fairly consistently, especially for a small market team. I mean, they should – They. I mean, that should be one of those tribal teams that have this core fan base that just loves them. And it doesn't seem to really be there. Um, and, I, you know, when you look at someone like the White Sox, their stadium gets ranked year in and year out a top five place to go top five for food, and then they're bottom three in attendance. And and it's, you know, not an apples-to-apples, apples, but when you have a team that's competing pretty much year in and year out with the Tampa Bay Rays, like, and their attendance is, is bottom three as well or bottom five, like, what are we really doing here? Like, you need that solid core fan base, just like, I mean, the the Montreal Expos has, like or, or had, I should say, back in the day, where it was like baseball's not even, you know, a, a, a Canadian – Thing, but they get behind their teams and it's a kind of a tribal thing. It's like we're from Montreal. We're, we're close to Montreal. Let's support them. And it's like you, you don't really get that with, with the Rays. And um, a that I, I was surprised because it was random. But my second thought was like, man, I'm, I'm surprised that this didn't happen earlier, that they didn't get this team like for me. If you're talking about moving teams to Las Vegas, that's one of the first teams in baseball that I would look to because they have good management, they have good ownership, and now you just kind of get handed this fan base that once has been wanting sports since the 1400s. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> they would have been my first choice to move a bit. Ba- I mean, granted, there ha- I don't think there's been any talk for a Vegas baseball team, but that would have been my, you know, my choice for them if the Rumblings were there for a Vegas major league baseball team.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I, I think of it. it's an interesting point that you make because it kind of makes me think of two things that maybe that this move does. Is it not only tests the waters to see if there could be expansion to Montreal, if Montreal would be interested in a baseball team again, um, based off of the attendance of how the Rays do, but maybe it also tests the water of Tampa Bay where it's like, now these fans, you know, does it kind of scare them into being like, oh my God, holy shit, we could actually lose our team. You know, is right. this something that we should we should support more to make sure that we don't lose them forever to Montreal? So it kind of tests the waters of both cities at once yeah. while also kind of having a, a team play. It's just, it's a weird situation because you start to wonder, at some point, baseball is going to want to expand. It's just, it's the natural progression of it. Baseball right. is a sport that can progr- expand as well because there are enough quality players to go around. It's not football. It's not basketball where you just, there just, there just isn't enough talent where you can keep increasing these teams. We talked about the NBA needing to downsize the Orlando magic was one of those teams, Frank. And then you reminded me how great they were. And I was just like, dude, you're right. We can't, we can't get rid of your favorite NBA team. I I apologize. Um, But speaking of the, of the, (laughs) of the white Sox, and I I do want to get the thoughts of our listeners on the Tampa Bay stuff. So, you know, please hit us up on Twitter at Jack underscore Savio five at Frankie G lyrical at two cents pods or at corked up podcast on Twitter to give us your thoughts on, on the expansion uh, or the split, I guess it wouldn't be. It's not really even expansion. Um, but you brought up the white Sox broadcast and that's interesting that you did that because the white Sox and the Cubs had their little mini, their little mini two game series, uh, that will continue next month, um, in July, um, in a few weeks, I believe. Um, the White Sox broadcast. I don't know if you if you saw this statistic, Frank, but it's up forty percent viewership just because Hawk Harrelson is gone, and it's up like a hundred and twenty percent on their streaming, uh, just because fans are want. Well, first of all, they're a fun team now, right? They have right. a couple more fun players, uh, but that god awful piece of shit broadcaster is gone, um, and it makes them a little more entertaining and a little bit easier to watch. Um, I know you had some thoughts on the on the Cubs Sox series um it was an even split Mm -hmm. ironic that we're talking about splitting uh baseball teams between cities but Mm -hmm. um it was an even even split what'd you think of the two games frank
1: um they were the epitome of baseball you you got a guy on the bump for the white Sox who has a six era against over the last few years (laughs) one of the best offenses and he just completely shuts them down outside of one pitch right and then you have the guy who is the the talk of the town Lucas Giolito. He's the next Mark Pryor. He's Kerry Wood. He's everything. And then he just gets completely rocked. Right. And it's, it's, I, it was funny because during game one, I was out and I, I was playing basketball. So I missed the first like four innings and I was keeping up with my phone, but it was, it was going to rain for the next five days. so I was like, let me get out. Let me get some cardio in. Let me, let me play some ball. And the, and I was playing with kids who were probably like 18, 19 years old. And then they're just like, yeah, like, if the Sox come back today, they're definitely gonna sweep them because Giolito's on the mound tomorrow. And I kept telling, like, "Yo, like that's not how baseball works, man. Like right. it, 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 nothing is won on paper in baseball whatsoever." And right. it played out exactly like, you know, uh, like like I I don't want to say expected it to, but like just like in baseball fashion, like that just is what it is. Um, but it was fun. It w- it was really really fun. It, it, it was a good series. Um, I will I will say this as well. I've had a a much different experience growing up in the neighborhood that the White Sox played and and always being a Cubs fan. And and for those inquiring why, because that's always the question is like, how did you grow up five blocks away from Comiskey Park and not be a White Sox fan? I just we couldn't afford cable, so like all we had was five channels, and WGN was one of them. And the Cubs right. were always on. I came home after school, they were on. In the summer, when I had nothing to do, the Cubs were on, and it was a fun time to be a Cubs fan. You had Moises Alou, you had Sammy Sosa, Mark Pryor, Carlos Zambrano, Kerry Wood, etc., etc., etc. So now that we got that out of the way, White Sox fans can be some of the most annoying fans in <laughs> in in the world, and and the reason is is because a lot of them, and I don't want to say all of them because I've met White Sox fans who kind of have the same sentiment as me. When it's Cubs-Sox series time, let's talk all the shit in the world. Let, let, let's do it. This is the time to do it. We're playing each other. It's head-to-head. But what I've come to find is that a lot of them care more about the Cubs losing than the White Sox winning. Like, if the Cubs lose Game 7 against the Indians, that I think that means more to a lot of them than them winning in 2005. Like, that's how they hate the Cubs yeah. – much more than they hate. I mean, than they like the White Sox or even love the White Sox. And that can get exhausting when you have guys making every single little excuse. And I get it. This is your Super Bowl. This is all you're playing for, especially in a lost season. I mean, it, it realistically is. And I hate doing this because I don't hate the White Sox. I, know. I, I just don't like their fans. Their fans are so fucking annoying. And it's even to the point where it was like, the Cubs, you know, finally get good for a sustained amount of years in my lifetime. And then, like, the only rebuttal is, oh, well, they still suck. The Cubs suck. Or it's like, <laughs> it's like the homophobic shit because pride is on the north side. And it's like, oh, the Cubs are gay. Like, as if anything's wrong with being gay. And it's right. like this weird shit that they do. And it's like, get, get off your high horse, White Sox fans. Because ever since I was a kid, it was always, oh, the Cubs are going to blow it. And the Cubs are going to do this. Even with the 2005 ring. Altogether, the Cubs and White Sox collectively had two rings in the past hundred years to, to that point. In 2005, there's no such thing as winning Chicago baseball. There just never was a thing, and they just swear that they were just this upper echelon thing, and it kind of remains today. But even that being said, they've always been the little brother organization, and that's why they hate us. I've, I've had one of my buddies; he would straight up tell me, like, "Look, dude, like, I hate, I hate the Cubs, and the reason is is because I'm a diehard White Sox fan." And no matter what the fuck we do, like we just don't get the attention that you guys get. ESPN forgets that we that we want to ring in '05. They don't even count it. That was funny shit ever. And and I get it. I get that level of frustration to a point. But like some of them just they don't even pay attention to baseball until it's time to play the Cubs. Right. And it gets yeah. it gets very very annoying.
0: Well, you know a lot of a lot of that has to do with the the guy that I was just speaking about is Hawk Harrelson because he is one of the most homer broadcasters of all time and he fostered that hatred of the Cubs in Sox fans like they just they grew up like you know because Hawk would talk so much shit and instead of just worrying about the game he'd get so fucking personal about it and it just it just evolved And, and, and now this it's just how the Sox fans feel they just they can't stand what the Cubs wins and I just feel like the Cubs. Cubs fans in general just don't pay a lot of the White Sox fans attention at, at and all. the team in general. And, you know, it kind of bothered me that that everybody was rubbing the trade in so much about Eloy to the Cubs or excuse me, Eloy to the Sox. And, oh, you know, thanks, Cubs. Like, oh, what a, you know, we won this trade. It's like, dude, you can't say you won the trade because he hit one home run in a game that ultimately probably <laughs> won't matter. that yeah. People just love to just sweep the the Jose Quintana stuff just out of the way. And it just – his his contract had a lot to do with it. Yo he's yeah. a left-handed starter that gives him more – they needed him more than they needed Eloy at the time. And even if the Cubs still did have Eloy, where the fuck would he be playing right now? Would you going to put him in right field? No, he's a terrible outfielder, except for yeah, yeah. White Sox fans. He's a great hitter. He can mash. And he'll probably – he's going to be really, really fucking good. But – to be like oh thanks Cubs fans like uh, it's just it's just ridiculous it, it was yeah. it was unbelievable and I, I like this White Sox team but you're right I mean, just, fans are just dude I mean I, I sent you that tweet today of of the White Sox oh. talk to NBC thing of like oh this would be a Lester this would be a call to strike for Lester it's like dude that's all they have to complain about is is it's, the it's, once. It, it, the umps were bad in the series, but it's it's because the Cubs benefited from a couple calls. It's all oh, just bullshit, you know. What I've, I mean?
1: I've never seen an inconsistent ump favor one side. He's inconsistent for both <laughs> sides, and that's what it's that's what it was for this two game series. Like I learned very early on to just kind of roll with umpires. Like they're gonna make bad calls, and realistically, for me, it adds in a flavor to a game that I, that's why I don't want computers for everything. Yeah, like, different gotcha. strike zones, different things, because it's like – it just takes the human element away from the game. Granted, there there are some umpires that just need to be fired. Like, Joe West, he –
0: Angel Hernandez.
1: Angel Hernandez. Those guys' expiration dates have been very long. But for the most part – and th- this is what bothers me in general, and, and especially coming from a boxing fan where people complain about the judging and how it's fixed and how baseball umps get paid off. Like, these guys get it right much more than they get it wrong. And that, that, that's why when they get it wrong, it's a big story because they always fucking get it right. If they got it wrong all the time, no one would care. Right. You know what exactly. I mean? And and what I mean by get it wrong isn't by, oh, that ball was three inches off the plate and he called it a strike one time during the game. That's going to happen. It, 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 there's late movement on pitches. Guys are good framers. Shit like that happens. Give it up. But it's like I'm talking about the astronomically bad calls like when that Detroit uh, uh, Lions pitcher had the perfect game and he was clearly out. And even Tigers, as an umpire, yeah. like anything close, you have to call him out. There's no replay. Like, give this guy his perfect game, and he calls him safe. Right. That's an astronomical fuck up. Like, call, calling a few strikes that were balls or vice versa just isn't. And it's like to hear White Sox fans go on and on. It's like, dude, give it up. Like, well, that's the thing. This? It's it's it's
0: it's now that now their team is is fun. They got Tim Anderson having fun. The young is going to be really good. Eloy, they have they have Gilito, they have Lopez, they have good pitching. Like this team is just it's it's becoming fun. But but White Sox fans just have this way about them. And I'm not saying all fans. I know a ton of good White Sox fans who, just, who are just having fun watching the game. It's just they have this way of just taking all of the fun out of it and just making it so much – so negative where it's just like, dude, just enjoy the win, talk shit, but in a fun way. Like you don't have to talk shit in a way that it's just like – it's annoying. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, it, I had fun with it the, the couple games. I'm excited for the next two games at, at – at guaranteed right field, um, those those will be a couple good ones, hopefully. But uh, all right, Frank, I, I think I think that'll just about do it. I think it's time to uh, move on to the uh, the segment of the week. If you're you goddamn will. right, Jackie Moon's so top excited. five players of all time. Uh, no, th- just just to clarify a little bit. So um, I know I did this a little bit in the intro, but just a refresher as well. Uh, Frank and I have picked. We we're gonna go through all 32 teams. Uh, We're going to start with the AFC North and we're going to start with just two teams. um, And we'll just so that we can kind of lead it up to the the start, the start of the new NFL season this year. Um, Frank and I broke down every 32 teams and we went through our five favorite players from those teams, not our top, not top players, not who we think is the greatest of all time, just our favorite players. Um, So don't call us, you know, don't call us idiots. Well, you can, but um, you know, Tell us your list of players of your favorite players for these teams because it it honestly was more fun than I thought it would be and I thought yeah. it was going to be fun but I actually had a lot of fun doing this so uh, we'll, we'll get to it um, Frank do you want to start with the Steelers and then and then we'll kick and then we'll finish it with the Browns
1: Let's um let's do Browns first Browns just because first. that one was tough
0: Okay all right so I, do, I,
1: I I also before we start our list too I do want to emphasize that. The reason we're doing this is because make no mistake, I, I think I speak for both of us when I say in terms of team sports, the NFL football is our favorite. So with okay. the season only being a couple of weeks away, I, we, you know, I came up with a schedule to splice it up to, to just get a count, some sort of countdown going for the season. I'm already reading OTA stuff. <laughs> I'm looking. I've, I've been past the rookie camps. Like, I'm excited. So, yeah, let, let, let's go Browns first. Top five players. Of all time, do we want to go like you say your number one? I say my number one, and I think, like I, 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 didn't go five in any order. I did my five in order.
0: Oh, I did my five in order as well.
1: Okay, so let's do it that way. Let's go. We, you go one. But I'll should, go one.
0: But should we should we go five to one or let's one? Let's
1: go five to one. Let's five, go five to one. one.
0: All right. I'm, I'm going to start with my my fifth favorite Browns player to watch for me.
1: And and this is in our lifetime guys too, just to continue to our,
0: Well yeah, how could they be our favorite if we haven't seen them?
1: I right? mean YouTube highlights exist. I'm
0: not, I'm not going to say Otto Graham out there. I'm not he's not Jim Brown. Uh no Jim Brown. No Jim Brown. Uh Jim Brown's overrated. Um oh, I'm going to say uh <laughs> my fifth favorite brown of all time. Josh Gordon. Ooh. Dude. Okay. I fucking loved watching Josh Gordon, man. I know every time, you know, he he's the one guy he is the guy that everybody drafted first overall just because they're like, dude, he's going to play. He's going to yeah. come back from yep. the drugs. He's going to come back from alcohol. He had a 1,600-yard season, dude. Dude, he was incredibly he's, he's, <laughs> he's probably one of the best Browns players of all time and he played oh, for like easily. two seasons so yeah uh but no absolutely number five for me who who you got number five Frankie
1: number five for me and I also say for my Browns list because they, they had like a, a player not too many players I should say had like strings of years that were very good so <laughs> I actually even distinguished the year uh in which they, they I really enjoy watching them play number five for me wide receiver as well 2007 my boy, Braylon Edwards. Braylon. Let's go. Yeah. Let's
0: go. Al, good old, good old alligator arms, Braylon Edwards. And hey, he had
1: some uh,
0: good years. God, he sucked. Anyways, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, look, if we're starting with Josh Cribs and Braylon Edwards, you know, the Browns have had some rough years. Yeah. Um, Number four for me, uh, it's Dequell Jackson, linebacker, middle linebacker. Absolutely no loved him on the Browns. Um. He also, I also, it's a little bit of favoritism and I kind of cheated a little bit because he was a Colt for a little bit and I loved him on the Colts. Um, so it kind of made me reflect on him as a, as a Brown and why I was so excited that the Colts got him was because I knew he was just one of the best middle linebackers in the game. Now, later I found out that he was using PEDs, and who knows how long that was going on, before. but Hey, he was still really good. So, so there you go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Perfect. Oh, and w- with that being said, I'm glad you brought that up. So the one the, the one caveat that we did have is that we can't name a player twice, like just because they played for multiple teams, right. meaning like we're not going to – now he can't say uh Jaquall uh, Jaquil? Jaquil Jackson. Jaquil Jackson for the Colts now. He, he's done. He's, he's off yeah. the board. All right, so number four for me, none other than your Madden cover himself. Oh, the best white running back to ever touch a field. Well, Christian McCaffrey <laughs> might might have already passed him up. But your boy Peyton Hillis 2010.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely Peyton Hillis. Uh, I will always remember him. Uh, he's little I, I I I I'll save it. I'll save it. Um <laughs> Yeah, dude, he's he, he was he came out of nowhere and and then of course he as as soon as he came on the scene, he disappeared almost immediately. So yeah. I mean, he went to the, the, I remember chiefs fans chiefs. were going, they're like, Oh, we got Peyton fucking Hillis. he's going to go off. And then he just never did anything again. Cause then he remembered he was white. Um, <laughs> all right. So, uh, number three for me, Frankie, uh, one of the best offensive tackles I've ever seen in my lifetime. Yeah. Uh, Joe Thomas, who's got to be kicking himself now that the Browns are, might actually be good, uh, that he's retired. um, just constant bright spot for the for just an organization that's just such a fucking shithole, um, at least until now. Uh, Joe Thomas, one of my absolute favorite Browns. How about you? Where What you got number three?
1: Number three, uh, Mr. Electric himself. He didn't have a year on him because he actually had a few really good years with them. One of the best return men of all time. Ooh, yeah. Uh, got into many debates between him and Devin Hester. But I still didn't think it was close. I thought it was Hester. But your boy, Josh Cribbs.
0: Yeah, I, I I forgot I left Josh Cribbs off my list. I thought he was he's probably like number six if I had to pick, but I just he was just never as good to me. like if you do a side by side between him and Hester, I, it's not even close. Hester's I, just I agree way better. Um, number two for me, Peyton Hills. absolute one of my favorite Browns of all time. I just had so much fun uh, watching him and you know um, being a white man myself. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um no no a lot of this has to do too with uh with 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 mad like a lot of it and and the fact that oh, he my yeah. draft i i was able to pick him up on my it was like my first fantasy team ever that i i never did fantasy football before but i but i doing fantasy football and i'm like all right i'm gonna take a flyer on this peyton hill this guy and he turns out to be one of the greatest fall time at least for one season so it That's worked incredible. out um Always good memories of, of of Mr. Peyton Hillis. How about you? Who's number oh, two yeah. for uh,
1: you? Uh, number two. You said all you can say about him. I had Joe Thomas up there. Okay. Uh, the best left tackle that I've I've ever seen. I mean, he was incredible. Um, I mean, he shut down everyone from Julius Peppers to uh, I I mean, name him. He 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 did his thing. He was incredible. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and it's in the it's in the it's in the AFC black and blue division, if you will. The Steelers defense, James Harrison, you had Terrell Suggs, you had yep. Ray Lewis, like he would shut those guys down all the time. And it was just it was great. Um, number one, Frank, this may surprise some people because it's been one year. But, dude, I coming out of the draft, I absolutely fucking loved him. Uh, his personality is, he's got the personality to make the Browns relevant and he's got the talent to do so as well. Uh, Baker Mayfield, number one for me, I think he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league in a couple years here.
1: Yeah, I think it was a good pick. He would have been on my list. I I wanted to give it a little bit of time and for me, and I think it'll change as we keep going. But for the first few, this was definitely a nostalgia trip for me, kind of going down different rosters and seeing the players that I grew up on it, it. i i I was more inclined especially early on to pick players you know from a few years ago um but good pick nonetheless mine um i mean we already talked about him mine was josh gordon number one for me um damn really yeah, yeah no and simply because and i stand by this like i'm willing to debate it with anyone in terms of just physical forget the stats he's never gonna have those just because he's been suspended so much but He's the best receiver I've seen with my own two eyes live. Just what he could do on a football field, even like better than his, Calvin Johnson. Yes. Wow. Yes. Wow. I thought Damn I thought man. he had a I thought he had a better route tree than than Calvin Johnson in my opinion.
0: I he mean, he just did everything,
1: be, man. He was he was incredible.
0: In in Gordon's defense, I, if you really want to make that argument for him, uh, who who are the quarterbacks he had throwing him the ball? That's
1: that's, that's <laughs> what I mean. I mean, he.
0: I mean. Yeah, but I I would have loved to see Baker. I mean Baker with OBJ now and and Jarvis Landry. It's just going to be a ton of fun. Um, so that's Brown. So just a recap. I got Baker, Payton, Joe Thomas, dequal Jackson, Josh Gordon, Frank as your top five. You had
1: Josh Gordon, Joe Thomas, Josh Cribbs, Payton Hillis, and Braylon Edwards.
0: All right. Yeah, guys. If you want to come up with your own list, please send them to us. I would love to to get some feedback and get get some uh, get some different top fives because it's just so interesting how how players connect with different people for different reasons. Oh, for sure. Um, all right, so Steelers, since I went first with the Browns, I'm going to let you go first with your number five for the for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Five favorite players of all time that we've seen to this point.
1: Perfect. My My number five, and the reason he's my number five, is because he's been one of the few athletes that have made me view him in a totally different light than what I started with. Usually when I see young guys with potential, and even if they're not performing up to that standard, I still, like, have that flyer on them where it's, like, it's there, let them develop. With him, I didn't see it with them at all. Um, he went from, to me, as kind of a just-a-guy type of quarterback to legitimately one of the best quarterbacks of his era, and it's Big Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, to okay. see what he did from that first Super Bowl win to now, where, I mean, the defense just completely carried him and he looked like a bum, to, I mean, he is incredible. <laughs>
0: Where he's yeah yeah now he's 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 really evolved into into one of the best quarterbacks in the league and a lot of that has to do with you know the players that surrounded him and but I mean it didn't it didn't even really matter right? he he was just able to do it so much yeah um and he's done it for such a long time and he's kind of just changed the game he was like Cam Newton before Cam Newton just that big guy who could, big, yep. could run a little bit shrug guys all, uh, you, you couldn't bring backyard him down backyard
1: football he was the backyard yeah. football guy yeah
0: absolutely. Uh my number five is, is James Harrison. And James Harrison, now did I hate him as a person? Absolutely. But did I love him as a player? One hundred percent. I the most memorable scene I will this the, the Super Bowl against the Cardinals where he's just huffing and puffing down that fucking oh, that that line with the force film. Dude, it's one of the greatest memories I'll I'll have in my life. Um it's just so funny. And James Harrison, uh he, he was a patriot killer. And yes. Frank, I've talked about this a hundred times. I hate the Patriots. Everybody knows this. Um, and if you can knock the shit out of Tom Brady and and you know do your thing against the Patriots, I'll I'll love you forever. So uh, number five for me is James Harrison.
1: Good stuff. Uh, my number four is James Harrison. So we we weren't we weren't far off here. Okay. Uh He he. I mean, just his work ethic. When you when you see these clips of him throwing like fucking bench pressing nine hundred
0: when he's uh, like thirty seven years old. <laughs> yeah
1: cleaning, cleaning a thousand. I mean, this dude was a beast. Uh, he, he was one of the very early features when sports, uh, science, wasn't that the show on ESPN? Yeah, sports science? Yeah, yeah. And just to see the different angles he would get to get under. I mean, he was a freak in nature, man. Very fun to watch. One of the best pass rushers of our generation. And he would blow you up. He oh would, yeah. He would blow he you up. He could beat you in so many different ways. And that's what made him fun to watch.
0: Uh, number four for me, uh, Mr. Big Chest himself, Mr. Mr. Blonde Mustache, uh, Antonio Brown, dude, Antonio Brown, another another fantasy football revelation for me, if you will. Um, you know, I remember I remember him being like a number three receiver uh, when they had Mike Wallace and they had Heinz Ward, and you have this. You have this slot receiver who is just so fast and catches everything. you're like, who the hell is this guy? He's from central (laughs) Michigan. People are like, it's a fifth round pick. Like, dude, who is this guy? Antonio Brown, it was so cool watching him develop into just one of the best receiver, probably the best receiver in the league, just from an overall standpoint. Yeah. And the stat, he had the stats to back it up. Um, I think his personality at the end just kind of got the best of him. Um, And it got, he got in his own head a little bit and, the the issues with Ben are well documented. Now he's a Raider, obviously, but I'll, I'll never forget watching him develop as one of the best of all times as as a Steeler, at least. So uh, yeah. number four, A. B. Mr. Big Chest, worst nickname of all time.
1: Awful nickname. Uh, number. <laughs> Which he number, gave
0: himself. So
1: just all you can't give yourself you give, your own nickname. Exactly. You can't do it. It's just uh, not good. number three for me, and I'm expecting this to be a surprise for anyone listening, and especially you, Jackie Moon. Real uh, quick,
0: real quick, before you surprise us, I, I want to make an amendment to that. The only person who can give himself his own nickname is Shaq. Oh, yeah, he's
1: on that, yeah. 100%. Yeah, go,
0: go, go, for, go for number three. Surprise me. Hit me with it.
1: Number, number three, one of the fastest running backs I've ever seen. Electric, a little bit smaller for his position, but very fun to watch. You get this guy in open field. Uh, there's not very many that can tackle him, certainly not many that can catch him. My boy, Willie Parker. <laughs> Let's go.
0: Now, if I remember correctly, you do not have Le'Veon Bell on this list. Is no, that is no. that a little bit, a little spoiler there for you, but Willie Parker made it, huh?
1: Fuck yeah.
0: Where's Richard Mendenhall? Is he on this
1: list? He is number six or seven, baby. Don't don't make no fucking <laughs> mistake.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love Willie Parker. Oh it's man. It's that's great though. I did. He was very fun to watch. I, I love that pick, Frank. Uh, number three for me. I'm sure a lot of people will probably have him on their list. You may as well. Uh, Troy Palomalu. You got the hair. You got the flow. You got the commercials. You got the hard-hitting safety who could also make plays on the ball as well. One of the best safeties of all time. I don't agree with the comparison to Ed Reed. They're just two different players, but Ed Reed is still also way better. Um, but I, I love Troy Palomalu, and you know, I just he's just so much fun to watch as a safety. I, I like safeties. Look. You get a hard-hitting safety. It's one of my favorite players in the league, you know what I mean? Except yeah, I for Adrian agree. Amos. Fuck Adrian Amos. Uh, <laughs> Packer, son of a bitch. All right, uh, Frankie, who's your number two, man?
1: My number two is another running back. Um, actually had one of the greatest stories of, of all time when he knew he was about to get cut and he faked an injury. <laughs> and he winds up being an all-time great running back. Our boy, the bus, Jerome Bettis. I would see a hall of famer, man. I I just i will be honest with you, he's, he was great, he, man. He gave fat people hope. Anytime there's a fat athletic guy, Jerome Bettis, uh, Prince Fielder, the new, the very first Mexican heavyweight champion of all time, who just won a couple weeks ago, Andy Ruiz. Fat guys are great to watch.
0: Dude, Frank, I wanted to talk to you about the boxing stuff a little bit because I I, I I wanted to get your take, uh, but we don't have time for that. But uh, yeah, no, the the bus, he he, he was an all timer um you know i got you know watching the super bowl you know the whole story is in his hometown in detroit you know and it's just it was such a cool thing um yeah that that's a good one i have a running back at number 2 uh Le'Veon bell more recent player of course um just one of the most versatile running backs of all time and dude the the way he starts the way he kind of like he doesn't really start running as hard as he can he kind of just picks his lanes i mean just one of the best running back vision i i've ever seen Um, The way he caught the ball, I mean, he was just to do it all back. He was like the elite version of Matt Forte. Like Matt Forte was like a very good player, but Le'Veon Bell was Matt Forte, but like one of the best players of all time. Like it's just, and I I love Matt Forte, uh, but there's no denying that Le'Veon Bell is just better than him. But uh, yeah, that's my number two. Frank, who is your number one stealer of all time to close out the Corked Up Podcast episode nine?
1: My number one, you already touched on him. Um, one of my favorite safeties of all time was Troy Palomalu. You, you're, you're talking about a guy who, outside of you know, defensive linemen and certain linebackers, I've never seen a player, a secondary player at that, be able to time snap so well for him to just jump over lines of scrimmages and get sacks or tackle running backs. Right. He was incredible. I think, to your comment before about Ed Reed being way better, I think if Troy Palomalu can stay healthy... I think we look at him, I mean, that that's a, because skill-wise, it's a debate as to who was better, but obviously the resume Ed Reed has, but if this guy could have stayed on the field more, I mean, I think that's a real debate. I, obviously, it's not because he couldn't, but he was incredible. Troy Polamalu, my number one stealer of all time.
0: Something I, w- I wanted to touch on as well that you just brought up fantastically is uh, the instincts of Troy Palomalu. I mean, yeah. they just the football IQ is just incredible. The, the snap count that you mentioned, you remember just seeing those the flowing hair over jumping right over the center to, blow, you know, yeah. it's just, it was just so great to watch. Um, My number one favorite Steeler of all time, uh, Juju Smith Schuster, dude, I love the way that this guy plays, man. I, he's so much fun. He does a lot of great stuff for the community as well. Like he, if you follow him on Twitter, he's just an overall good guy. Um, you know, and it's just the way that he plays. He he's changing how that Steelers. St- he's so good. He made this. He made an Antonio Brown expendable. Like that's how good he is. Yeah. And I, I think it's just so fascinating to watch him develop as a player because I mean he was a top. He was a, talked about as a first rounder, but he dropped to the second round. And of course the Bears didn't take him. Um, because they're <laughs> dumb, or they were dumb, I should say. Uh, just kidding, Ryan Pace, I love you. Um, I don't know. I there's just something about him. He's just got that personality that just he's he's a he, he's almost like. Not talent wise, but like personality wise, he's like Jerry Rice, where he's just—he's not a diva. He's just playing. He's having a good time, but he's also very good at what he does and takes <laughs> yeah. it seriously. So, I mean, that's that's just two choice. Me. Yeah, yeah. I
1: I, I, I assumed our Steelers list would be more different than our Browns list, but I mean, there were some similarities on both.
0: I I I got to be honest. I woke up today and I did not expect to hear, hear Willie Parker's name mentioned. So, well, get get fucking used to it, because he's the goat. I'm proud of you. I'm proud. Of that. so that's a good poll. Um, I do not have Big Ben on my list because I – I don't know, man. I, I th- He's always just seemed like kind of a douche to me. You know, he's just <laughs> – whenever, whenever
1: I need But him... Antonio Brown, the guy who has a <laughs> screenshot of Juju Smith-Schuster when he was in college, inboxing him, saying, hey, can you help me get better at being a receiver?
0: He's not I, like, a douche. He's, well, he's a douche, but he's hes just, I don't know. There's just something about Ben. Like, it, it's just whenever I need him to play well, to play big, and beat the fucking Patriots, he just doesn't do
1: it. He, he just had, won't no, and- do it. Big Ben has like those three games a year and two of them are always against the Browns where the final score is six to three. And, <laughs> right, exactly. and he has like four picks, but still seven hard, seven hundred yards passing. Like right, just, exactly. There's no rhyme or reason to those games.
0: Right. And, and he always gets hurt right before he plays the Patriots and then he can't move. And then the Patriots just, they, they oh, dominate him. How and, do you not win a Super Bowl with, dude, with Ben Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown?
1: And he is the biggest diva. He just loves attack. For the last seven years, he's talked about retiring. He's like, this might be it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and then every little injury, like, it's like a rolled ankle. And he's like, I, I don't know. This, I, might I be this, this might be it. And he, like, comes out in his Paul Pierce wheelchair and he comes and plays.
0: He's just got to shit his own pants. um, Dude, no, that's the thing about Ben is I just – I don't know, man. There's just something I don't like about him. Like, he, he just – he always gets hurt right at the worst fucking time. <laughs> and, and he just – you're right, He talks about reti- he's talked about retiring, he talks about it more than Brett Favre did. <laughs> like, it's just so goddamn funny to me, and it's just, I, I don't know, there's just something about him that I just, I don't like. You're right, he's one of those guys where it's like, you, look, you watch the entire game, and you're like, man, this guy's fucking sucked this game, and then you look at the box score, and he's got like 460 yards, six touchdowns, and no picks, and you're just like, what the fuck, when did that happen?
1: You know what's funny? I swear to God, I feel like that's the way people felt about Mitch Trubisky this year. We're just like, what the fuck wrong with him? He sucks. Like after the game, it's like 350 passing yards, three touchdowns, a pick, and <laughs> Frank, it just,
0: Frank uh, once we get to the once we get to the Bears, I'm I'm really curious. I know we're saving them for last.
1: I may have know? to do an offensive and defensive list for them.
0: Legit. Ten whole ten players. Ten, I
1: have to. I don't think I can do just five.
0: All right. Well. Well, we'll have to talk about that amendment. Uh, pretty soon here, but that'll do it guys for the corked up podcast. Episode nine, uh, Jack Savio, Frank Nairs on two Suns pods. On YouTube. Uh, I'm, next named, week, we
1: need, I'm naming this episode. Be more like A. B.
0: I hope so. Mr. Big chest. Um, what we're going to do is, uh, next week we're going to have the Ravens and the Bengals. We're going to go through five players. I, I don't know how if we're going to even be able to get – mine just might say Mar- Marvin Lewis five times, if I'm being completely honest with you. <laughs> I don't know if I even know five – As if Kenneth Dixon
1: never touched a field.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just the greatest of all time, man. Did Anquan uh,
1: Bolden just die?
0: We're not – hey, save it, all right? Anquan Bolden wasn't a. but see, I, I like that caveat of of knowing – um what uh, of like once you use a player it eliminates him because yeah. there are some players who played pretty well on other teams so it's well, you're gonna have why to kind I didn't of think about Jamal it
1: lewis for the browns is like he's a candidate for the ravens because he oh, was okay. good with the browns for a few years
0: yeah i mean i'm gonna i don't know, to know if he's gonna know. be
1: on my list but we'll see
0: i can tell you this right now everybody listening i'm gonna spoil this for you Ray Lewis will not be on my list for the Ravens. Promise. And we'll talk about it next week here on the Corked Up Podcast. I'm Jack Savio. He's Frank Nayers. Frank, a good time as always. One of the best. Um, I'll, I'll talk to you next week, man. All right.
1: Later, man. Have a good one.